0: hell that I was in, I'd do anything to be better. I thought like a lunatic. You kind of just have like that little bit of hope that it will get better. You're gonna make it. This began my surrender. I am a witness of my own growth. It's life beyond your wildest dreams, and I just have to say, it works if you work it. My story, that's what I share. You're listening to Far From Finished, a weekly podcast where we share new, real-life stories of hope and triumph, told by the people who live them. Today's story comes to us from Hi, I'm Michelle and my sobriety date is May 8 2006. I grew up in a in a normal um, household until my latter teens, my father uh, began drinking excessively and so alcoholism is really in my family and I knew at a very young age um probably 15 or 16 when I would be drinking with friends you know sneaking around and drinking like kids often do that I could develop a problem with it because I liked the way it made me feel it gave me confidence and while I didn't think much about it then, in my early 20s when it was actually legal for me to drink, I seemed to be able to drink more than anybody that I was with um, and knew that I definitely had a problem. Um, But it was off and on. It was not like just from then on. It was like, okay, then, I, then I'd then get sober and be fine. It wasn't until I was introduced to um, Ataban, benzodiazepines, that I started on what was going to be a long journey with addiction. And I was actually prescribed those by a doctor. Um, and this is, now this is 30 years ago. And so things were a lot different back then um, in terms of what we knew about drugs back then and what we know about them now and how addictive they can be. Um, And even with regard to the legal ramifications, because back then when I was put on Ativan, after regularly taking it, for the next six months the doctor just cut me off and well by then I was very addicted so I began forging prescriptions and of course back then when I when I did get caught it was a misdemeanor it wasn't a felony like it would be today so great I'm grateful that um, that God spared me in that um, so Uh, I continued to take them. I would write prescriptions and go to different pharmacies and um, use different names. And and when I eventually got caught and arrested for that, um, which, you know, I walked into a Safeway grocery store, went to the pharmacy, and when I turned around, there were two policemen there, and they said, we've been looking for you for two years. And I was shocked because... Here I was, Little Miss Innocent, you know, came from a a good family. Um, it's the last thing people would have expected. But that's what addiction does. You know, it um, it is no respecter of persons. It will, it doesn't pick and choose. Um, so from there, um, it was a misdemeanor. So I, I did, uh, you know, paid my fine, and that was the end of that, and I quit taking the pills, I was young enough where I didn't have a, you know, it was easier to do physically than it would be later on in my life, but I continued to work, and I was in the engineering world, and so I was working in corporate America, and, um, Doing well, but I drink on the weekends and I hang out with people at you know uh, the local pub and would drink excessively, you know. And but was able to not drink during the week. When I was 31, I had to have a back surgery. Um, I'd injured my back playing softball, and for three years I just tried everything but surgery and. Um, after that, I was put on pain medication, and um, I had known that I had that pill problem you know in my early twenties, and so I knew I was susceptible to becoming addicted to these pills and I did i I really wasn't in any pain anymore, but I continued to take the pills and It was over the next nine years that um, while I did have periods of sobriety, it got, it escalated and my life began to really unravel Um, and I was no longer in my early 20s and it was getting more physically difficult to, um, you know, not have hangovers. And so then what happened? Was I started ordering pills online because my insurance would only pay for them every so often, and I was going through them way too fast. And I was taking heavy amounts of soma muscle relaxant, and then when I would stumble and fall around uh, on the ground and and could barely talk because it had relaxed my muscles so much, I'd take. I'd pop a few Vicodin. They gave me energy. And so it was this constant back and forth. And um, it really is a miracle that, I, that I'm that i not dead uh, because of the enormous amounts of pills I was taking. All the while trying to hide it from my family, thinking that they didn't recognize that something was wrong. And, of course, they did. And uh, they later had, had told me, Oh, yeah, they could tell by looking in my eyes that I was high. And so several stints in the hospital in their week-long detox unit, um, I went into a treatment center after having a car accident because I just blacked out. after picking up a prescription of pills, and I went into, um, it was a two-week treatment center in Houston, Texas, my first treatment center, one of only two that I had gone into, and um, really did well for the next nine months after that. This was, um, yes, 18 years ago. And after eight months, I decided I could drink wine, that that was going to be fine, that I I was okay enough to drink wine. Well, that was a mistake because then it was a regular thing. Um, so speeding up, you know, several times in the hospital, trying to get pills to help me, uh, On death's door, really, my family intervened a couple of times. And then I I really wanted to give up. You know, I was really struggling with why I couldn't seem to stay sober. I was sitting in my apartment um, on a Sunday afternoon and turned off all the readers on my phone. And really didn't want anybody to try to rescue me. Um, I, I wasn't going to kill, kill myself, but I wasn't going to. I didn't care if I lived or not. You know, I just really felt hopeless. And so I, I told myself, I bet my mother comes over here and knocks on the door. And sure enough, Sunday afternoon, I hear a knock at the door. And it was her, and she um, spent the next five hours with me, trying to convince me that things could get better. And I remember looking at her and saying, nothing, nothing can change this. And she said, God can change this. God can change this. And so I decided to go to the hospital. Not for myself, but for her. And she had told me about Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge because we were originally from Minnesota. And so my family up there had told her about this program that they thought could help me. And I committed to going. I was able to get in. And that was in... July of 2004, and so after going through the year-long face-based por- program that they have, they have a short-term licensed clinical program, and I opted for the year-long program because I knew I needed a long time. And but after I went through it, I was actually offered an internship there with them, and I. I really had a lot of pride issues and I turned it down and, um, within a few months, I found myself ordering pills online again. And I just, um, I went down really fast and thankfully, uh, I went back into their restoration program and really got it. You know, I really got it and, um, was offered a, another internship. And this time I, I accepted it and I began working um, there in the aftercare department, doing a variety of things, working with other alumni, and alumni who were struggling. Um, and then I began to train volunteers to be mentors to the clients as they go through the program and just really found a lot of value and purpose in that. And uh, they offered me a full-time position and um, I accepted that and worked for them the next nine plus years. Um, it felt, felt like um, it was time to leave. It was time to come back to Texas and be closer to my family. And so, um, so I did. I left. I gave them a couple months notice and went back to Texas. And for the last year and a half, Prior to coming to work for American Addiction Centers, I worked for a company that um, contracted hospitals and set up a medical detox units in them, and I was the business development rep for that company. Um, I really decided that I wasn't using all of the gifts that I had working for them, and had really wanted to work for American Addiction Centers. I I knew that they were a great organization, and I knew uh, someone that worked for the company that was trying to help me get on. And um, So I recently started with them, and I'm just so thankful. Uh, I'm really not just thankful that I'm sober, but thankful that I have purpose and that... Um, this company actually recognizes the gifts that we have, and and I just want to serve others and really um, go around and present not only the company to others, but that there is hope for people who struggle with addiction. There is a tremendous amount of hope. and. I think it's always a good thing to um, use your pain that you had and your struggles you had to um, really offer a a hope to others. When I first got out of Teen Challenge, um, I started attending Celebrate Recovery groups and um, really surrounded myself with a good support system. I mean, you cannot do the things that you used to do. And I would always um, try to be around people who were positive people, you know, people who were doing something good in their lives. And so that was very important. Um, You know, I would always tell volunteers that so many times we have to change our complete life, you know, and friend base. And um, not that I was really hanging around the wrong people. I actually had really good people. It was me that was doing a lot of things in secret, but um, I fully support staying involved, whether it's through your church or through um recovery groups or AA or whatever it is that helps a person, um, stay grounded and stay, um, sober that, that they need to be doing that, you know? And so I was very active in that initially, um, as I continued working for, um, the recovery program team challenge, you know, I, I found that throughout the day, all day long. So, so I didn't always continue with those groups later on, but for those that aren't in that environment, um, I think it's important. Um, oh, so my my life has changed in so many ways. Um, first of all, I I suppose I don't I know who I am now. I didn't I didn't know who I was, and I really I really didn't have a purpose you know for me my faith is what has given me a lot of um well has given me you know my identity and and really purpose in life but um giving back I never used to really do much for other people you know and I realized being in recovery that that is essential um giving back and really using your own testimony to help other people. And so um, I, I'm very active, I'm, I'm, I'm a biker, so I, I bike a lot and stay healthy and active and fit and work out and uh, eat healthy and all of those things. I always thought I did those before, but, and I did to a degree. Uh, but I'm probably healthier now than I've ever been. And, of course, I'm much older. So, um, But I really feel like my life is very productive now. Um, I find things interesting that used to not be interesting, you know. And that probably the biggest thing I've learned is that you don't have to drink or take pills to have fun. There's so many, you know fun things to do that don't require drinking. And even if other people are doing that, it doesn't mean you have to. But for people who are new in sobriety, they definitely need to to be cautious of where they are going um, and who they're hanging out with. They Those kinds, of, that's just not the circle that I run in. So, um, but so my life, I'm just, I'm just a, I have joy now, I guess. I, I didn't used to have joy, you know. Happy is, happiness is temple, uh, you know. It's based on your circumstances. Joy is from within, and I have joy. Don't give up. When I went into treatment after the pink cloud, they call it, rose, and I felt like, you know what, I'm good. You know, it was it was about three to six months in, really. Really, after three months, you feel like, okay, I got this. Um, I'm good. Uh, I'm ready to go. And nothing else had changed about my life, only that I had been sober. Um, that's not enough. That's not enough. You have to um, be involved. Um, but even if you're still struggling, reach out. To people, reach out to, um, you know, either if it's somebody in your church or if it's in your recovery groups or or family even, or friends that are sober. Reach out. Don't don't keep that struggle to yourself. Um, and so, I know that it it's it can be hard initially. Um, but once you start to really get into some healthy habits and, and do uh, things with sober people, your life changes. You know, you, you, you start to lose the desire to do things that you used to do. Uh, I mean, I don't even think about using anymore. I mean, I really don't. It's just it's not an option. And that's when you know you've got it is when it's no longer an option for you. I mean, if you're having a bad day um, or, you know, relationship issues or whatever the case may be, um, knowing that it's not an option to reach for a drink or reach for a pill or whatever your substance is, um, that's, that's the place you want to get to. And you will get to it because I'm there. And so um, just don't give up.